Hi, and welcome to the Passionistas Project Podcast, where we talk with women who are following their passions to inspire you to do the same. We're Amy and Nancy Harrington, and today we're talking with Emma Zack, the founder of Berries, a curated online vintage shop that celebrates curves, colors, and fruit. Although they launched in Brooklyn in 2018, the seed was planted when Emma was just a teenager. Frustrated by the challenge of finding fun and stylish clothes that fit her curvy body, Emma turned to secondhand shopping as a way to find what made her feel good in her skin. Berries brings the fruits of Emma's sartorial eye to others. Accessibility and representation are the core of berries. Like fruit, Emma wants every berries customer to remember that they're uniquely vibrant, sweet, and desirable at any size and shape. So please welcome to the show, Emma Zack. What's the one thing you're most passionate about? Well, if you had asked me that, just a few years ago, my answer would not be what it is today. But today, it would be making fashion accessible to everyone. So how does that translate into what you do at Berries? I source vintage clothing over a size, I, I would say about medium, and which surprisingly not many other vintage shops do the vintage world like the fashion industry in general is pri primarily caters toward um straight size people which is about like sizes double zero to six eight so i source plus size vintage which is actually pretty difficult to find but i try my hardest to find it Lately, I've been working with independent designers on expanding their size ranges so I can also sell small, sustainable brands in sizes XL to 5X. When does size double zero become a size? You know, I understand there's people who are double zero out there, but what I don't understand is that it's more, you can more readily find a size double zero than you can a size extra large. Where, where like over 60 or 70% of the population is over a size extra large. So something really isn't adding up. So I've been trying to, you know, confront that. When did this first become uh, something that you were aware of and something that evolved into this passion for you? It became something I was aware of since I was like 10 years old, <laughs> if we're really going back. Um, because as I was a kid, I was also considered plus size, quote unquote. And, um, you know, I always tell the story of shopping for my bat mitzvah dress. And I was, you know, 13. I was plus size, but I wasn't like, you know, above a size 12, women's 12, you know. And I, for the life of me, could not find a dress, you know, I couldn't find anything in the teenager section. My mom and I went to all these stores. I remember sobbing in the dressing room. And that's when I kind of let fashion let me down. And I was like, I'm not, I just can't find anything in my size, you know? And then it wasn't until a few years ago that I was so fed up with it that I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm sick of this. I love fashion. And I'm sick of never finding anything in my size. It's just absurd. <laughs> so you mentioned your childhood. Tell us where you grew up and what your childhood was like. I grew up in Brookline, Massachusetts. It's just a suburb right outside of Boston. And um, I had a, 
good childhood. Love my parents. Shout out to them. And, but my sister and I um, were both always plus size. So uh, it was something that, or weight and body image and clothing was always something that we discussed in our house, whether it be positively or most of the time negatively because even what 20 years ago it was not like it is today it was very much like you're going to fat camp because you're a size 14 um but yeah I mean I was always the fat one in my friend group which always left me feeling really shitty sorry if you have to bleep that no you can okay (laughs) and um but I always loved clothing like I can I've loved clothing since I was since I I I can't even remember but my mom says that I always um dressed myself and I would play dress up in her clothes and my grandma's clothes um but yeah I I I've been thinking a lot about my childhood and how that has influenced what I'm doing today and there's an a, a connection that so strong and so powerful that you know I didn't even realize how much it has impacted me until now. Who were some of your positive fashion influences when you were a kid? I genuinely can't tell you anyone except for um, my grandma. I never met her, but my mom. Uh, I was named after her, and my mom swears that I am her reincarnated. Uh, She was also a fashionista and she was also considered plus size back in the 1940s, 50s. So she was like a size probably today, 10, maybe 10, 12. Um, But, you know, I grew up looking at her clothing and wearing her clothing. And other than that, I mean, It's sad, but I never saw anyone who looked like me in the media, so I didn't really have anyone to look toward. Your mother was a role model for you as far as starting businesses, right? So tell us about that. So my mother, who I would actually like to nominate at the end of this episode, she started her own business when she was, uh, I actually don't know how old she was, but it was a long time ago. And she started her own business, founded her own company that she still has to this day. Um, She actually just stepped down as CEO after 30 plus years of that role. But, you know, I grew up with her and she was always working so hard. And like, I just remember going on vacations or like on the weekend, she'd be responding to emails and I never understood, you know, why does she need to respond to this email right now? And now I'm like, oh my gosh, she was just so passionate about what she was doing. And that I'm the same way. I always have to, you know, I'm always doing my job, you know, even if there's a day off, but it's just cause you love it so much, but that's what I grew up with. Um, and, you know, she has such a great work ethic and she is so kind. She treats everyone with so much respect and love. So that's kind of how I've been approaching my business. And, um, you know, it's, it's just really hard to run a business, which is what I'm learning now. What was your mother's business? What was the business that she started? 
my mom, her company is called Houseworks and it's an elder care business. So she helps seniors stay at home. And she actually started it after her parents both died. Um, and she, that, that whole experience really took a toll on her. And she was just like, I'm going to devote my life to this. And she sure did. And now she has one of the best elder care companies in the co country. What made you decide to leave Massachusetts and come out to California to study at Occidental College? And what did you study there? I knew I wanted to go to a small school <clears throat> and uh, just because I like more like individualized learning. And um, and I saw all the small schools on the East Coast and I just wasn't really vibing with them. And then I saw Occidental and I was like, oh, this is just perfect. Loved the energy there. My cousins all live around there. So I decided to go out to California. My parents were not thrilled because <laughs> uh, it was so far. Um, but I actually went to college and in my freshman year of college, took this class called the prison industrial complex about um, the United States prison system and race in America. I learned about the prison system and I, I thought it was the most abhorrent. It was such, it was just atrocious. And um, I did an internship with the ACLU of Southern California's jails project. And that's when I decided that I wanted to go into criminology and um, work in criminal justice. So that's what I studied at college. That's a pretty far away field from fashion. So how long did you work in that area and how did you make that transition? After college, um, I moved back to Boston and I got a job at uh, the CPCS Innocence Program, which is part of the Public Defender's Office in Massachusetts that helps get innocent people out of prison. So I worked there for about two years and then got uh, another job in the field at the Innocence Project in New York City, which is like the head um, organization. So I moved to New York City for that job for it was four and a half years ago. And I actually only left that job in December. And what did you do there? What was that work like? It was very difficult. Um, so when I first started, I was more of a paralegal and I'd have, I would answer all the calls. So I'd be on the phone with all of our clients all day. And it was just very mentally draining and difficult but I learned so much. And then I became a case analyst, so I would analyze all the cases that came into uh, the project and decide if it was a case that we should you know, pursue or not. Then that road became just so draining because I was literally reading about rape and murder all day, every day. <laughs> so I moved into our communications department where I was a writer. So I wrote all of our annual reports and um, yeah, worked on publications. And I, I enjoyed that a lot. In your spare time, were you starting the fashion company? About two years into my job at the Innocence Project, um, my friend and I were just at my house and I was like, Vanessa, I'm gonna start selling vintage clothing online. And she was like, okay, cool. 
So we just inventoried a few pieces that I already had and um, made an Instagram and just started from there. And then, yeah, so it was really, it's funny. It was totally just, I wasn't thinking of it as a business or anything. Excuse me. I was just thinking of it as like a, a side hobby that would get me kind of distracted and away from my day job, which was so mentally draining. <laughs> Did you start by looking for pieces for yourself and then you found you just had enough that you wanted to sell? Like, how did that happen? So I was really into vintage. And at the time, I don't know if you know about the like Instagram vintage scene, but a few years ago, um, people, well, businesses, started using Instagram as a selling platform to sell vintage clothing, home decor. Um, so I was really into this world because I love sustainable fashion and um, obviously I love vintage, but I was never, ever, ever able to find anything in, in my size. And at the time I was like a 12, 14. So that's wild. Um, so I would buy pieces from these other sellers and, you know, they would have, they would model the pieces on um, models that were like size four and something that's size four that looks oversized on that model, I would get it and it wouldn't even go over my arms. So to make a long story short, I just kept buying this, you know, really hoping <laughs> that one day I'd find some stuff that fit me. Um, and most of it didn't. And so that was where my first batch of shit came from. And then obviously I started to have to go and get more, but it, yeah, it really came out of just like, Ugh, stuff doesn't fit me. Ugh, I have so much of it. And also I didn't see anyone on the internet on Instagram to selling clothes for vintage for plus size people. So I was like, I'm going to just do this myself. This is, it's out there, you know, it's not like plus size people didn't exist back in the day. So once you started selling on Instagram, were you surprised by how many people were connecting to what you were doing? I'm trying to remember how it grew so quickly, but it did. Um, but honestly, people would, and I still to this day get all these messages that are like, Oh my God, I'm so happy I found you. There's no one else doing this. Um, this is so necessary and, and stuff. But uh, so it wasn't really surprising because I was like, I know I'm not the only plus size person. And again, I'm all at the time I was only a 12, 14. Now I'm a solid 16, but like at the time I should not have been like 12, 14 and not fitting into literally anything. <laughs> So I wasn't surprised, to be honest, but I was surprised at how quickly it picked up. I was not expecting what's going on now. I was not expecting that. So is that why you quit your job? Because this Berries became a full-time job for you? Yes. Um, a few reasons. I think that the work, I think I was very burnt out from the Innocence Project, uh, or not even just the Innocence Project, but that work, because I had been doing it at that point for 10 years. And it was so draining. I'm an empath. So 
I'm really sensitive to emotions. I like, I take on so many emotions and it was just, I couldn't disconnect, you know? So that was a big part of it, just burnout, but also I couldn't juggle both anymore. Cause you know, it was 40 hours a week for Innocence Project and then another 40 hours a week for Berries. Cause I was doing Berries on all evenings, mornings, starting at like 6 a.m. and then all weekend. So I never, for about like a year, I just didn't take a break really. So besides wanting people to have pretty clothes, is there like a, an emotional mission that you have with the company? Of course. I mean, I think it's so much more about pretty clothes. It's about being able to go somewhere and not feeling defeated and like someone doesn't care about you because I even two weeks ago, my, I went and visited my mom. My mom was a size eight, I would say. We went to the mall for the first time in about like what, two years, <laughs> a year, whatever. And we literally couldn't go into any stores because nothing, there was not a store in the, in the mall that had anything of my size. And it's like, that's so disheartening and, and frustrating. It's like, I don't want other people to feel it's excluded. It's just not a good feeling. And I grew up with it and have felt it over and over and over and over again that I want people to come in and be like, oh my God, wait, stuff fits me. And oh my gosh, I feel good about myself because feeling good about yourself is what's going to help you do you know, your day-to-day -day tasks, whether that be working criminal justice or, you know, working at a bakery or whatever you're, you're doing. Um, I think clothes are so much more than just how, you know, they look. Uh, and I've really been getting in touch with that, especially during quarantine. So they're a form of self-expression. How do you use fashion as self-expression? I love to express myself through fashion. Um, I wear a lot of bright pot patterns and bold prints. I wear a lot of like novelty sweaters and shirts that are funny and that don't, that just show that fashion doesn't be, need to be taken so seriously. I think there's, and I experience this as I'm in the fashion world, like, there's so much of it that is so exclusive and so like, oh, well, if you don't look this a certain way or if you don't wear this, or this and this, you're not actually in the industry. Well, that's BS, you know what I mean? So um, I try and just wear whatever I want to wear. Right now I'm wearing lime green shorts, this really weird top and this big flower necklace. And, um, yeah, I just encourage people to not listen to the quote unquote rules in fashion. Just if you like a shirt that's really bright, but you're, you know, bigger, wear it. Who cares? You know, if it's quote unquote flattering. <laughs> How has COVID affected your business? It's been weird because before COVID, I was able to do pop-ups every weekend to make money. And during COVID, I obviously had to switch to like a 100% e-com platform. So now I'm back. I'm like doing this 100% e-com. Excuse me. And now, 
of course, as I finally figured it out, pop-ups are happening again. So, um, but business honestly hasn't, it, it's been, I've been growing, but I've been learning how much it takes and costs to grow and sustain a business. And that's been probably the hardest part for me. <laughs> and some, I don't know, it just gets me so frustrated <laughs> every time I think about it, which is every day. But um, yeah, so COVID has not been great for business, but it's also at the, at, on the flip side, it has been great because my company has grown. So now what are your future plans for berries? So I have so many. This is my biggest problem is that I have so many ideas, but I also have, I'm truthfully, I have ADHD. So my ideas are literally everywhere. I cannot sit still or focus, but um, my goal right now, one of them is I've been, like I said earlier, working with independent women designers who um, are extending their size line for berries and um, these designers, the clothing is a bit more uh, expensive than I usually sell, but that's just because um, all the designers are sustainable and uh, the fabrics are all just like really beautiful fabrics and everything is just hand dyed or whatever it may be. Everything is meticulously crafted and on top of that, I may, I'm making sure that for each garment that I put out, I fit it on plus size people before it goes into production so that we're not just grading up from small sizes to plus sizes. It's like, we're actually going to fit this garment on a plus body so that it's actually true to size where it's not that problem of like, okay, size 16 fits like a size 10. You know what I mean? Which I'm so sick of designers these days doing that because so many are like, we're size inclusive. And then their size 16 won't even go on my foot, you know? Um, <laughs> so that's one. And then two, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, I just got a studio space because um, also all of my stuff was in my basement until <laughs> um, February. So I finally moved it out of my basement. Um, but I think that it would be really great to have a storefront because as a plus size person, it is so important to try on clothing before I buy them. And also back to the experience part where, you know, if you're a plus size person, you'd be able to walk into the store and be find everything that fits you. You know what I mean? And not just like, maybe one thing that's really stretchy. <laughs> and I would imagine have a salesperson who was supportive and understood stood your normal trepidation about going into a, a store to shop for clothing. Absolutely. I mean, probably a plus size salesperson who knows, you know, who's gone, gone through this experience themselves and knows how to like fit the clothing on our type bodies. And are you, do you have any desire to design your own clothes? Yeah. And so that was another thing that we're working on is uh, my employee, Eileen Lichtenstein, who is a brilliant, creative genius. She um, has been 
designing. So have you ever heard of the designer Michael Simon? He made those like novelty sweaters in the uh, late 80s and the 90s. So he's one of my all time heroes. I think he, his mind is like so genius to me. So um, what we've been doing is we wanted to make our own novelty sweaters, but we didn't want to produce anything new. So we've been sourcing vintage sweaters and hand felting over onto the vintage sweaters. So we've been making these novelty sweaters, but that are still sustainable on vintage sweaters. So that's been a really fun idea. Our first collection sold out in 10 minutes, which has never happened in the history of anything. <laughs> People want the sweaters. So um, we're working on a batch of actually like knit tanks and sweater vests for the summer. So those will be ready in hopefully three weeks or so. Um, and then I would love to like, start producing those in a larger scale and then also with vintage sweaters of course um and then also using like vintage shapes that i've found you know and patterning those to make new stuff but out of sustainable or dead stock materials so i've been trying to uh keep the business um the sustainability model in check so you've talked about the frustration that you felt with the fashion industry not representing plus size people. Do you think it's changed at all? Is it getting any better? It absolutely is. It's even the past year, there's so many brands popping up that are like actually trying. I mean, uh, I have to shout out this one brand called Ray, W-R-A-Y. And she is just so brilliant because she is making, she just started, extended her size range up to a 6X, but the clothing is not, like, you know how a lot of, no offense, plus size clothing is not cute? Um, so um, she is making plus size clothing that's like, actually wearable art you know what i mean so that's great and then yeah there's so many brands not so many but there's a lot of brands popping up and doing that at the same time though there's still so many that aren't doing it or doing it so wrong like being like we're I, we sell size xxl and the xxl fits like a large um and another thing is is that media it's the fashion media itself is changing in that like brands are hiring um plus size models like i don't know if you've seen athleta just extended their sizes target um big companies are finally getting hip to it you know what advice would you give to a young woman who wants to follow her passions like you have i would say to take the risk but I didn't take that risk until I had fully thought everything through and organized everything. So I think that was really important. And that was because of my parents. They were like, you want to quit your job? You can't quit your job. How are you going to live? But, you know, it's a, it's, it was, it's a huge risk, but you're not going to find out if it works until you do it, right? <laughs> and if it doesn't work, then 
there's a whole long life ahead of you, so take the risk. So, um, so you're also a musician. So tell us what instruments you play and what you enjoy about making music. I grew up playing so many instruments because my dad is a jazz drummer. And so I was always around music growing up. Um, but he had his heart set on me playing the bass guitar because there weren't many women playing bass, you know, back in that day. So I played bass guitar for about eight years. And then I said to my dad, I was like, listen, I know you want me to be a bassist, but my heart belongs to singing. And um, music, I would say is my second passion. Um, music, ugh, I can't, I, music really, I love music. Um, but singing is, I, I sang jazz. Um, I sang jazz starting in college as I sang for our jazz band. And then after college, when I was home, I would sing at um, a few local jazz clubs. And um, when I moved to New York, I actually stopped singing because I kind of lost confidence in myself. I was like, you know, I love singing, but I'm not that good which I know is not true I, I know that I could sing um, but yeah I haven't actually been singing all that much but my boyfriend is actually an incredible um, pianist and musician so sometimes we'll make music together if you know I, I'm in the mood <laughs> but yeah I have such a deep love for music that I almost feel like sometimes it gets in the way of me actually doing it because I cr criticize myself so much, you know? So annoying. <laughs> what do you think is your best habit? Uh, you asked me that as I just purchased a book called like 
the art of habits or something, <laughs> or it's like atomic habits or something. I'm, I'm trying to figure that out. My best habit though, I'm definitely waking up early. Is that a habit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I wake up every day at 6.30 to 7, and I go to bed every day around like 10. Um, and keeping that sleep schedule for me is really important just for like my mental health and my functioning. <laughs> but I love waking up early because my mind is so clear in the morning and I can get so much done. And um, yeah, I, I really love the mornings. What's been your biggest professional challenge and how did you overcome it? There's been so many. Um, um, I mean, I think it's been hard for me to get, uh, not criticism, but like, you know, feedback on, what you're doing what you're not doing right or that realizing that not everyone has to like you to be successful i don't know that's been tough for me because i kind of thought i don't know you just want to know if, if you're putting your whole heart and your whole life into something and then people will come back to you and they're like you're doing this wrong or you're not doing this the way i would or i, I don't even know what the critique would be uh, your stuff's too expensive, this and that. You know, it feels really, really hard because it's like I'm doing everything I can to operate this business in one of the hardest times we've ever experienced in our life. And, um, you know, just realizing not everyone's going to like you and that's okay. What's your dream for women? Mm. Well, um, <laughs> that's such a, that's a big question, but obviously <laughs> to be treated the same as, as equals and, um, you know, to keep kicking ass and, and breaking ground and doing what you want to do you know regardless of your gender or you know i think women these days encompasses so much more than what we think of just women you know it's just nowadays it's just everyone people so i want people to be you know to thrive regardless of their gender or how they present etc yeah
Is there a mantra you live by? Um, yes. It is from a Nina Simone live concert. And she starts playing the piano really furiously. And then she stops and she just goes, you use up everything you got trying to give everyone what you want. And I think that's, again, going back to the being liked. Um, if you do, so if you do everything for other people, how are you going to be okay, you know, mentally for yourself? Um, but yeah, I just think that quote is so deeply powerful, at least for me, it really resonated with me as someone who definitely gives more of their self than they have the capacity to. <laughs> What's your secret to a rewarding life? <laughs> well, I'm only 29, so I'm not really sure. <laughs> but um, definitely making time for yourself is what I've been learning how to do. Just like turn off your phone at, at 7 p.m. That's I sometimes I just don't respond after 6 p.m. even because if I don't feel like I have the mental capacity to, then I need, I need that to re recharge because I've also been learning, you know, when you rest, it may seem like you're getting nothing done and you're not productive, but that's just going to help you get everything done even better. And um, that's something I've really been trying to practice. What's your definition of success? That's another thing I'm trying to figure out uh, as a young business owner, um, because it's obviously not all about money, obviously. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure yet, but I think it would be just to keep growing and to make time for yourself and to not lose sight of what's most important and what you're working hard toward. <laughs> If you could pick any woman in history 
or a female pop culture icon and walk in her shoes for one day, who would you pick and why? I would pick Ella Fitzgerald because I would then be able to scat really well <laughs> and get to perform with all these amazing musicians and obviously the times that she was living in were very devastating as a black woman but um if we're just talking musically Ella Fitzgerald she was also so humble and just so kind and so talented so I'm gonna say Ella <laughs> So then, as we mentioned, we have the subscription box and um, as part of the contents, we uh, give exclusive content to the women who subscribe. So we just have three questions that pertain to the upcoming themes of the next boxes. So um, the next box is Passionistas for the People. So why do you think it's important to fight for equal rights for people around the world? Um, because if we weren't, then what 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 are we even doing i mean i feel like that is the purpose of living and i don't know why why should it be otherwise i i really i don't have an answer other than i'm i mean i'm very naive and realize that people's interests are motivated by capitalism but um yeah i just feel like if you live on this earth you we all deserve the same respect, equality, or kindness that everyone else has, uh, regardless of where you live or what color your skin is or, you know, your financial status, etc. The next box is Passionistas Prosper. So what's the best financial advice you've ever received? <sighs> You're asking the wrong person. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, um, Definitely organize your finances, write stuff down, make a budget. Um, budgeting is very important. Um, and even what I do sometimes is literally I'll write stuff on my notepad just so I can see it in front of me. If that's easier than writing it on the computer for me, it is, but yeah, writing stuff down and budgeting. Thank you, father. I have learned. <laughs> Passionistas play. So how did you play as a kid and how do you play now? Um, play like as in just... Whatever you did for fun. Okay, whatever I did for fun. How did I play then? 
like as a as is as in was I a team member or what did I do? What did you do in your spare time when you were a kid? Gotcha. Okay. So in my spare time as a kid, I played music a lot. I played the bass guitar. Um, I was in a bunch of bands <laughs> and I also played ice hockey in high school, <laughs> which is so funny because I'm the least athletic person I know. And um, now I, I've been styling photo shoots for fun, um, that aren't berries. So I've been kind of just putting people in clothes that are fun and taking pictures with photographers. And, um, that's what I've been doing, but truthfully, I want to find another play thing that isn't related to clothing. <laughs> Maybe I'll get back into singing. Excellent. So that's everything. Now you mentioned you want to nominate your mom as a fashionista. I do. She's the most passionate person I know. And she would be very great for this podcast. I would say she'd be passionate about elder care. <laughs> um, and she's brilliant. So you get the chance to talk to her. She would be, her name's Andrea Cohen. Excellent. Um, she's a boss lady. So I nominate her.